Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series called Return and Rebuild as he speaks on what it looks like to be a true and authentic follower of Christ. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. We are aware that there are some audio issues in this episode, and we appreciate your understanding. Good morning, Impact Church. I hope you're excited to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I don't know about you, but are you excited to be a new creation, to have a a fresh start, a new beginning? No matter where you're at, no matter where you've been, God is faithful. And when we turn our hearts and lives to him, his promise is to make us new. Praise God for that. Amen. Here we go. Continuing in our sermon series today through the book of Ezra entitled Return and Rebuild. And we've been looking at this movement the Lord is doing in his people, calling them out of captivity in Babylon and bringing them back to Jerusalem to rebuild this temple and how this story builds about how they're not just rebuilding a temple, they're rebuilding their life, their faith in a holy God who loves them. And that's the message for us in all of this is is God wants to rebuild and do something in us that maybe we had turned away from, maybe we had fallen out a step from, and God wants to call us back into this. So we're in chapter 3, and we've gone through the beginning of chapter 3 and saw how the the first thing they did was restore worship, that they come back to a heart of worship and and put the altar in its place before the foundation of the temple was set, and then how they uh, went back to spiritual responsibility and accountability, and we had that message next week. And all of this is a process of how we, as believers and followers of Christ, rebuild and restore our faith in a holy God. The message today is no difference because we have a message entitled, Not a Fan. Not a Fan. And there was a book put out uh, a while back by a guy named Kyle Eidelman, and the, the book had the title of this message today, Not a Fan. I have not read that. Many of you probably have. But it is a great message, I'm sure, in it that probably lines up with a lot of what we're going to talk about today because it's a message for the 21st century American church because I know and you probably know that Jesus has a whole lot of fans, but not very many followers. And so the message today is not a fan. You know, when you look and you think about what a fan is, we know and we relate it to sports because we know that hundreds of thousands of people across our nation gather every week in stadiums to cheer on their favorite football team, baseball team, basketball team, soccer team, hockey team, whatever. And they gather in these big gathering places to praise a performance that's being put on by people. I want to say that again. They gather in these big gathering places to praise a performance put on by people. Unfortunately, that happens very often in the church of America today. So inside these sports stadiums, these pseudo or imitation worship services, if you will, they have gone through great expense. They've gone through great trouble to get to these games. They've persevered through traffic and lines and you name it to get there. 
And they're going to cheer with all their heart, with all their voice, to the object of their praise because they hold this team in such high regard and high esteem. But there's two types of people in these stadiums. There's fans and there's followers. And there's a difference. And we're going to talk about that a lot as we go through. But the real difference between the fan and the follower becomes where the heart of their praise is. Where the focus of their praise is. And what's the conditions of their praise? Is their praise based on the circumstances and whether the team's winning or losing? Will they quickly turn to a boo if what's not happening on the field meets their expectations for that team at that time? You see, the, the, the heart of worship and this heart of authentic praise is the difference. And it's even the difference in the church, in our faith to a holy God who knows our heart and knows our motives and looks beyond just the praise of our lips because he looks at how we live our life. So today I want to talk about authentic praise because it's different than just being a fan, much different. Because you can praise even the Lord and it not be authentic. True authentic praise and worship is honoring God, guys, first with your heart and your life. And then out of that flows the praise of your lips and your voice, giving him glory for all of who he is, for all that he has done in the past, for all that he's doing in the present, and for everything that you trust and know by faith he's going to do in the future. That is living out authentic praise. So inside of that, God knows that there's fans, but he's looking for followers. So are you and I today a fan or are we a follower of Jesus? Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we praise you for who you are, Father, for you are holy, you are mighty. Lord, you are just. And Lord, you are a God is worthy of our praise for us to lay down our life in worship to you and in service to you. The Lord, that we look at our lives like we can now, thus because of what you've done for us on the cross, now we can in turn give our life back to you as a blessing, as an offering, as a sacrifice to what you have done. Lord, help us to hear that message today inside of this praise that, Lord, we all love and we're all called to do, Lord, that there is, there is a call for authentic praise. And if it's just superficial, it means nothing to you. So, Lord, help us go deep. Help us go deeper into searching our lives and giving all of our hearts and lives to you that we could live a life of authentic praise and thus be a follower and not a fan. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word today. We give you praise in advance as you do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you have a copy of God's word, you can... Turn with me to the book of Ezra. Again, as I alluded to, we're in chapter 3, and we're going to close out chapter 3 today as we read verses 10 through 13 today, and that's our teaching passage in Ezra. So Ezra chapter 3, verses 10 through 13, and the Word of God says this, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, 
the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the sound was heard afar off. Very, very clear passage of praise there, is it not? But I don't know if you caught some differences in there of maybe what some other people were doing in the midst of the praise. But starting out in the passage, we see that it starts out that they had laid the foundation, that that's where this passage starts out. So finally, this culmination of people to come together and do God's work and rebuild the temple was starting to take shape. Obviously, the rubble had been removed from the past destruction, and now a foundation was put in place. And the Bible says right here in this passage we just read that when, when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, that they praised him. That's a beautiful thing. Do you ever just take a moment to praise God for the things he's doing in your life, even when they don't look like they used to maybe, or maybe like you expected, because this temple had a humble beginning. This wasn't like the first one that that Solomon put in place, all right? This was a very humble beginning, and it didn't look like the last time. So, but they praised God for what he was doing and the restoration and the rebuilding in their life before the rest of it was even put in place. Do you praise God even for the small things he's doing in your life? Or are you just waiting on the big thing? God, I'll praise you when you get the big thing. Because right now, man, I ain't happy yet. Good, so you got the foundation. I'll, I'll praise you when the temple's built. Is that, is, that our, is that your heart? And maybe you and I wouldn't say that out loud, but deep down inside, that's kind of what we do a lot of times. We don't see the small things God's doing because we're always looking for the better thing to make us feel good. But they praise God for the foundation, just the foundation. Think about that. And it's a great message for us as we get ready to build and, and do what we're going to do. do. Are we praising God for where we're at now, even in these humble beginnings, thrown out in a field, in a tent, watching God work, watching God grow his church through his word and through his praise? It's just a beautiful thing. So, man, and, and man, the Lord's speaking to me as I was reading this, like, man, that's what we're going to do. Man, we're praising God anyway all the time now. We're doing it numerous times. But, man, definitely when that foundation is laid, we're going to have a big old praise party. How about it? I think we should do it. Man, sit out here and whatever, lawn chairs, whatever we got to do, have a big old-fashioned praise and worship thing where it's heard aloud where everybody can hear it. You know what I'm saying? And the people in the villas be like, no, please don't be too loud. I don't know. But we won't do it late at night. But, man, we just want to praise God for what he's doing and where he's taking us. And that's what these people were doing. But then we move forward toward the end of the passage, and we see that not everybody had the same heart. I want us to get that message. They were gathered in the worship place all together, but not everybody had the same 
praise of heart. Some of them wept. And they were not privy to exactly what was in their heart and why they wept. Some of them may have been weeping for tears of joy. I don't know. Could have been. But we're, we're kind of given the fact that maybe that wasn't just the case. That there was weeping because this place didn't look like the old place. And so therefore their focus wasn't right, was it? Their heart wasn't right. You see, their praise was conditional upon the circumstances that it meet their expectations. Because if it didn't, then there were going to be booing the team on the field. You see, there was people here obviously with the wrong heart. Maybe they were just focused on the past, on the good old days, right? And guys, that's a message for us today because it's so easy for us in the world we live in now that has so desperately changed and continues to change. We could get focused on the good old days and just weep and mourn over the good old days. So, oh, couldn't we just go back to the way it used to be? And I'll admit, I'm the first one to say, man, there would be some benefit to going back to the good old days, even from just a couple years ago, back when people used to work. You know what I'm saying? And you used to be able to, to go inside a fast food restaurant and sit down and eat a cheeseburger. I mean, just simple things. Went to Hardy's yesterday over by LU. There was two people working. One working to register in the drive-thru, one cooking. I kid you not. That's it. The world has changed. You don't know whether places are open or closed anymore to go in. They'll be open one week and closed the next week. It's crazy because everybody's at home living on their stimulus checks and unemployment and tax refunds, a.k.a. they're living on the government is what's happening. And I tell you, it seems all great and fun for them right now, but if you give the government permission to feed you, you also give the government permission to starve you. That will come in America one day if we keep going down the track we're on, okay? So, man, but it's crazy, and it's easy for all of us to wish we could just go back to the good old days, go back to the good old days. But if we're so focused on the good old days and in the past, and we're so depressed over what's happening in the future, we're going to miss the opportunity that Christ wants us to have in the present to live for him. We're going to miss it. God put you and I here for such a time as this. He put your kids here for such a time as this. I know it's easy for us to get upset, but they're losing things and things aren't normal and this and the other. I get it. But let's spiritually mature up and live for Jesus in what God has placed us in. And that's the fourth quarter. Plain and simple. Man, it's so easy for us to look back and weep. But God wants to be filled with joy. Yeah, the foundation doesn't look like it used to back then, but we can still praise him for what he's doing and the opportunity he's given us to rebuild and restore and move forward. That's what God wants us to do. So there's that message today. You know, life as we knew it, normal, may not be coming back, but Jesus is coming back and we can look forward to that. So I want us to, as we see this passage and as we understand it, we know that there's some differences here and there's some authentically praising and there's some maybe with a wrong heart, a wrong focus and a conditional attitude of praise. We're going to look at, a, a, at a, a message in Acts where during the, the first church, the, in the church of Antioch, where there was some praise going on and some authentic praise and we're going to see what happened there. So turn with me to Acts chapter 13. We're going to read verses 2 and 3, and I'm going to read it in the New King James, and I'm sorry, in the King James Version this time. 
Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. And the word of God says this. So here we are, the church of Antioch, prophets and teachers and everybody gathered. And it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. That word ministered there at the very beginning, you need to circle and highlight that because that's the word worshiped. Did you ever think of worship, your worship, being ministering to God? That's a different thought, isn't it? Because you might say, hold up, hold, hold, hold. I thought coming to church and worship was me getting ready for God to minister to me. But the Bible says that their worship their proper worship was actually ministering to God. Boy, that'll flip you theologically there, won't it? You see, because so many times we come to church only wanting to be ministered to. And that's not the true and proper heart of worship. Yes, there's a time for that. And there is a need for that. God does speak through his word and everything. And please don't get me wrong. But if that's the sole attitude of our heart when we come to church and worship, we've missed all that God wants us to have here every single week. God wants us to also minister to him. How do we do that? I think we're going to get that message here today. It's with our heart and our life. So the question is, do you just come to church just to come to church? Just check it off the list. Do you come to church and come here and just expect God to do something for you without any thought in your heart about what you can do for God? Because there's a difference. Do you come to the Lord just looking for a blessing? Or do you come to the Lord looking to be a blessing? There's a difference. And it's a difference of heart, of attitude, of focus. You see, the problem is, somehow as a whole in in our culture, we've flipped the script on on what it means and looks like to walk with the Lord, to be a Christian, to to say that we're a follower of God. we've, We've gotten confused in that because it's become a, what have you done for me lately type of relationship. And we're always just looking for, put our hand out for God to put something in it. And if God doesn't put something in it, then we get sour. We get upset, and we turn to the world to put something in our hand. That's what happens if you have the wrong heart. It's what happens. And it's obviously what's happening here in some of the the hearts of people, even that have come and made this journey back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. The focus is off. The heart is wrong. It's conditional praise. And it's not authentic. God wants us to have an authentic praise where we live our life as a blessing for him. And this flip script, it's kind of like in America, we even have sayings like, in God we trust. And we have songs that say, God bless America, right? But the problem is, as a whole, America does not want to bless God. And that's been a big problem. Because, yeah, we we want God to bless America without regard of, well, what can we do to bless God and honor him? 
And if we're not careful, we can live like that in our own walk, in our own spiritual walk with Christ, where we're just looking for God to bless us, God to bless us, God to bless us, without any thought at all in regard of how we can be a blessing to God and honor him with our life. And there's a difference. As we look in this passage here in uh, Acts that we just read, we see that inside of this praise, inside of this authentic praise and ministering to God, that they received something from the Lord then. Did you see that? What did they receive? Their calling. Oh, God's will for what he wants them to do. Did you see that? And it came after their heart was authentic, and then God spoke. It was the movement of the Spirit because of an authentic praise in their heart. And God laid upon them, hey, set aside for me these dudes. I'm going to send them out. And they fasted and prayed over them and then sent them out in obedience to what God had said. And it's a beautiful picture of authentic praise related to hearing truly from the Spirit of God. Hey, all of us want to live a life of impact. You do. Deep down inside, you want to make a difference in life. You don't want to just, I mean, unless Satan's got your mind all jacked up, you just don't want to go through the motions and live your life. You want to, to live a destiny, to, to, to be called to something that's bigger than yourself. That's inside the heart of all of us. God wants to give you that, but he only gives us that once we authentically give him our heart and life. Then he shows us his will. Again, Romans 12, 1 and 2 perfectly lays that out to support this. I encourage you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For that's your true and proper worship. Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. That's mean deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Don't live for the patterns of this world. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know God's will, God's pleasing and perfect will. That's the Bible. That's Christianity. That's authentic praise and worship. That's being a disciple. Everything short of that is a fan, not a follower. See how this all ties in? Scripture always supports Scripture. So in the midst of this authentic praise, they received their calling because God knew their heart. Man, but that just shows the flip side, that if our heart's not right and we come to church, and even though we're praising worship, if our heart's not right, we miss the calling of the Spirit of God. I want you to get that. So many people will be like, oh, what do you mean, Pastor? Because I'm in the same worship service, and if somebody's got it, then I, ain't I getting it too? No. So many people go to church and think the spirit that they, oh, I felt the spirit there. Woo! I felt it. But see, if their heart's not right, what they're feeling was just that, a feeling, an emotion. That's not the spirit. That's not. You see, you go back to this football game, baseball game, wherever you're at, when the crowd cheers and roars and everything's going and the music's pumping and playing, you get a feeling. You feel the spirit, right? Because it's an emotion, it's a feeling. The goosebumps raise up and, ooh, I feel it. And that's what people think the spirit is in church. It's not. It's in the heart. Are you allowing your heart to be moved by the spirit, not a feeling? Man, there's a big difference. And so many people are caught up in a feeling. 
You could call them event Christians because they're the ones that just want the event. They want the feeling. And if the feeling's not there, they're going to go somewhere where they do get a feeling because their heart's not right. And they're not there for the right reason. They're there for the show. That's why they want the church that has that emotional concert feel, get them feeling good about themselves, irregardless of whether the preaching is solid or not, or whether it's watered down, or whether the preaching moves people to repentance and further sanctification to make disciples. They don't care about that. All they want to know is, did I feel good when I was there? That's a scary place to be because that's a majority of how people find churches in America today. Do they feel good? They're fans. They don't care anything about being a follower. They want to hear the singing. They want to hear some good organ-backed preaching with some good points. Every time the preacher says something good, everybody hitting the organ. What's that? Let the word of God speak. Man, such a show, such a theater. This is not a theater. This is not entertainment. This is authentic praise of a holy God. Do you have that in your heart? That's what this is. They want to be wowed. They want somebody to wow them. But they don't ever come and think how they should be in a proper mindset to further submit, surrender, and praise a holy God. And come with the heart of how, God, can I take all of this and minister back to you, Lord? That's worship. Many that are caught up in this entertainment style of worship, they won't show up for life groups and Bible studies through the week, not just because they're busy, but because it ain't got that entertainment feel, baby. It's not an event. What do you mean? You want me to show up to something and I don't get that feeling? I ain't coming to that. That's a fan, not a follower. And there's plenty of them. Another problem with being an event Christian, besides the obvious that we've just discussed, having the wrong heart, it ends up being a seven-day gap in your worship, (laughs) right? You're only going to even attempt to worship God once a week, and you think that's sufficient? Let me ask you, if I just feed you one meal a week, is that sufficient? You're going to make it the rest of the week? You're going to be hurting, aren't you? Your immune system's going to drop. Sickness is going to creep in because you're not well-nourished. The same is true spiritually. If we only look for one time a week feeding, hearing from the Spirit, then we are going to be malnourished spiritually, and the cancer of doubt is going to seep in. The disease of deception is going to overtake us. And the virus of worldliness is going to overtake us. You cannot feed once a week. It's got to be daily. And we've already had that message as we went through that a couple weeks ago. So I don't need to beat that dead horse. But we need more than just one time a week. It's the difference between being a fan or a follower. The fans want the show and the feeling. They want to be ministered to. They got their hand out for a blessing but they never put their life out to be a blessing to the only one that matters. It's authentic praise is the difference. So authentic praise is responding with all of who you are to all of who God is. That's it. Authentic praise takes you and me away from the physical and the temporal focus 
and resets our eyes and our heart on the spiritual and the eternal focus. That's what it does. That's why it's deeper than a feeling and should be a daily practice. So again, in our passage in Acts, we see that while they had the right heart, while they were God-focused, while their heart was right, their eyes were fixed on Jesus, that the Spirit spoke and moved. And then I love this, part of their heart and mind being right with God, it, it was proven in the fact that they were fasting and praying. They were giving up fast, fasting. You know what that is? That's giving up something physical to gain something spiritual. They were already in the right mindset. I don't want the physical Lord. I don't want the feeling. I need you. I need you to move. Are you that desperate for God in your life? Where you look past the physical and you look to the spiritual. That's what fasting does. And fasting is like, it's like juice and steroids on your prayer life. Because it's really showing God, hey, I don't need the things of this world. I don't need physical pleasure. I'm striking a blow to my body and I'm seeking you, God. Have you ever done that? If you haven't, I want to invite you to do that with me. Starting March 1st, this Tuesday, I'm gonna go on a 40-day fast, and I want you to join me if you would like. Could be fasting over a lot of things, specific, specifically what God continues to wanna to do in this church body through hearts and lives being changed by the gospel and the preaching of his word, but then also what he's gonna do on this place and giving us a tool to reach this community. I have a pivotal meeting Tuesday with the county and VDOT about the future of this place, and I need you to be in prayer over that. Continuing this week, searching for us a place to, to worship when it's time to push dirt and move out of the way. Looking that to be anchored down. A lot to be praying for. So please be in prayer for that. All these Bible says we have coming on. Community outreach events where we're going to be sharing the gospel with this community at Easter and, and, and other things we have coming up. A lot to be in prayer for. Fasting and praying. That's what these people in Acts were doing. So... They were looking for a word from the Spirit, and that calls our, our attention to who's the Spirit. What are we talking about here? If it's not a feeling, remember the Spirit is God, the triune God. He's the third member of the Trinity. So he's the one who takes up residence in your life, in your heart, to remove that heart of stone, to, to give you a heart of flesh, and to give you a desire to, to follow my word. That's the Spirit we're talking about. He makes God real to you inside of you. He gives you life counsel. He gives you understanding of his word. He writes on the tablet of your heart. So now you can be a minister to others, everything we're talking about here, as he transforms us more into the image of Christ. That is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You ought to read it. it tells what the Spirit does and what he moves us toward right there. So the Holy Spirit's job is to lift the words off this page and to chisel them into your heart. That's beautiful. So do you think it's important to now, there now for have authentic praise in our hearts so that we can hear from the Spirit and truly gain understanding and life direction? Of course it is. Because it's not just a feeling. It's the presence of a holy God. And he's not just a feeling. And when the Spirit of the Lord speaks, that's the rhema word. That's the spoken word, the utterance of God to us. 
You see, there's the graphe, that's the written word. There's the, the logos, that's the living word. That's the mind of Christ. That's, that's the logic of life given to us through Jesus, the living word, right? But then there's this wrath, this, uh, this rhema word, that's this Holy Spirit speaking, this application to you, God's will on how he wants you to apply this word to your life. So if we miss that and we don't have God's logic, God's understanding, and God's word, Whose then do we have? The only other word you would have then is yourself or another man. So do you live off your own understanding, off your, another man's understanding, or do you hear from the Spirit of God in your life? And it's got to line up with the word. Because God told me is no substitute for what this says, plain and simple, because there's a lot of people that are confused on that. Because let's be very clear, there's other spirits in the world besides the Holy Spirit. And you can hear from another spirit if you're not careful and you get the wrong direction. That's a whole nother message. So don't let me get off track. But we got to hear from the one who wants to give us life and true direction. 1 John 2 verses 26 and 27 says, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Oh, there's a word. But the anointing which you have received from him, it's God, the Holy Spirit, abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. What does all that mean? If you have the Holy Spirit, God, in you, he's going to give you teaching and understanding so you won't be deceived. I'm not discounting godly mentorship and, and teaching and whatnot. It's necessary. But if all you do is lean on the understanding of man, you're going to be dangerously deceived if you're not careful. Because you can run to a teacher that's going to tickle your ears, Paul told Timothy, right? That day's here. You can find them if you want. You can keep searching, searching, searching. Well, I don't like what Brad said, so I'm going to go, da, 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 da. well, Brad didn't say nothing anyway. I'm only going to tell you what God said, okay? So let's get that straight. So if you don't like what I said, meaning I don't, you don't like what God said, you can go find, try to find a man that's not going to say what the Holy Spirit's saying. Does that make sense? And then you'll be deceived. So you've got to be careful. You've got to be really careful. We surrender to authority of the Spirit and the Word of God when He speaks. And it all starts with authentic praise. So our, our calling and our purpose is tied to hearing his voice. Let's put all this together. And knowing his will and being guided by the spirit through his word. Then the only way that we're ever going to know that and hear that is through authentic praise and worship with our heart and our life. And that's you ministering to the Lord. Again, we need to hear from the Lord daily. Not just one time a week. Because if we're not hearing from the Spirit daily, no wonder we're jacked up Monday through Saturday. No wonder if we're not living our, our life for Christ and putting God first in our marriage, our marriage is falling apart. No wonder if we're not honoring God with our money and tithing and whatnot that he commands that our finances are falling apart. No wonder if we're not honoring God in, in our heart and, and, and living for him that the things of the world become more appealing to us than the things of God. That's a natural process of not having the right heart. That's the process of being a fan and not a follower. So if we're not going to hear his voice and look to be a, a minister to God and to others, 
then we're living on our emotion and our feelings. And that's a scary place to be. And this even goes not even just through our, our praise and our songs. That's not only what we're talking about. That's the obvious, right? But it's even through his word. And even through the preaching of his word, is, do, do you receive it with the right heart? Do you look and understand it and want to apply it? Yes, God is ministering and speaking to you through his word. But then how can you minister to God back through how you live it out? You see, there's a lot of people that don't mind hearing good preaching. They don't mind it. Matter of fact, they like it. Oh, I love it when, the, when, the good, when the good preaching's up. That's good stuff. They like it, and, and they look out for it, and, and, they, and they flock to it. And that, that's why you see people run into the, to, to the preachers that tickle their ears and stuff. They want to feel good. But then even inside of just normal, good, solid preaching, people don't mind being preached to. They don't mind even reading their Bible or studying the Bible. They just don't want to live out the Bible. They don't want that to be expected upon them. You can even look in Mark chapter 6, verse 20. There was a certain dude ungodly dude named Herod. You remember him, King Herod? And the Bible says in that verse that Herod loved to hear the preaching of John the Baptist. He loved it. But did he ever obey it and align his life with it? Unfortunately not. How many people do we have like Herod today? They love to come to church. They love to feel good. We love the preaching. Just don't want to live my life by it. You see, you can learn the Bible without being changed by it. Why? Because if your heart isn't right, that means you don't have the Holy Spirit of God in you to receive it and to live it out. That's why. Have you surrendered your heart and your life completely and fully to God? Because God is present in the proper worship of his people. He is that proper heart of worship. Psalm 22.3 tells us that, and the King James says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. And you've heard it said, God inhabits the praise of his people. What does that mean? Well, that means God's present when our heart is right. Just like here at Antioch where the spirit spoke when their heart was right. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that his presence is, is dependent upon whether our heart's right or not. God is, is omniscient, he is omnipotent, and he is omnipresent. He's everywhere anyway. We're not going to limit God by whether our heart's right or not. But what we are going to do is limit our receiving of what the God wants to speak and do in our life if our heart's not right, if that makes sense. But God's present in the heart of proper worship. So the difference between a fan and a follower is where it's at. We know the fans on the football team and in the sports stadiums that, yeah, there, some are what they call bandwagon fans, right? Who's winning this year? That's my team, right? Who, who's, who's got Tom Brady this year? That's my team. <laughs> That's what they do. It's, it's like they're not really a follower. They're just a fan of something. And it comes and goes. It depends on the wins and the losses and, and who, who the players are. And, and it's so circumstantial. Maybe some fans are there and they don't really care about the game or the team at all. But they just come with their friend or with their spouse. So they're going to cheer for that team because that's what their spouse and friend cheers for. We have people in the church like that. I'll come to church with you and I'll praise with you. But I, I am not a follower. And their heart's hard and they resist what God wants to do big difference between being a fan or a follower and Jesus spoke to the fans in Matthew chapter 15 verses 8 and 9 we spoke about that recently where Jesus said these people praise me with their lips but their hearts are far from me 
Therefore, they worship me in vain because their teaching is merely human rules. Man, that's calling out the fans. We're praising, we're cheering, but your heart ain't right and you're worshiping me in vain. God knows our heart, guys. He knows our heart. So we can learn something then from the real fans in the sports stadiums, the real followers, if you will, because we know that they go through great expense buying the tickets and, and they go through tremendous circumstances to get to the game and airlines and everything else and having to half get undressed anymore to get on a plane. Y'all been there before? And then I'm always the one that gets pulled to the side and gets patted down. I'm like, man, I went through there. It didn't beep. Why are you doing this to me? But I always get pulled to the side extra. You ever been there? Annoying. And then you got to get dressed again and then get to the stadium in your rush, catch your connected flights. They've gone through great pain, some of them, just to get to this worship service that they want to go to, right? And they, and they get there, and they don't want to be late. They're not, they're not getting there just on time at kickoff, and they're not getting there late. They're getting there early because they're real fans. They're going to get there in the parking lot, and they're going to throw out the tents, and they're going to throw out the grills, and they're going to stay a while. And they're going to really meditate on this event that's about to take place because they know something special is about to happen. Because they're followers. They're not a fan. And then they go in this game and they'll sit for over three hours to watch a football game that only has 60 minutes on the clock where the playtime and inside of that, when you average it out, there's only 11 minutes of action in a football game. But they're going to sit there for three hours and 15 minutes because they love it. It's not just a game for them. And they're taking it all in. And then they're not even thinking about leaving early. Not at this worship service, because they don't want to miss anything. And then, if it goes into a little longer worship service than what they planned, they welcome it over time, right? That's just a bonus. What if we looked at church that way? Because they ain't leaving. And then once they do leave the game, they're going to go home or back to their hotel room, and what are they going to do? They're going to flip on ESPN, Sports Center, or NFL Network and catch all the highlights of everything they just watched. That would be meditating on the sermon. And then they're going to go to work Monday and get in a small group <laughs> around the coffee pot and the lunch table, and they're going to talk about everything that they just saw yesterday and get other people's perspective about how it moved them. And then they still ain't done. Because on Tuesday, they're going to look forward to the next game. That would be the next message. And they're going to start talking about and preparing our heart for that next event. How about you? Are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If we can give that much time, attention, and dedication to something that doesn't make a hill of beans difference in our life like a sporting event... How come the creator of the universe, the designer of your heart, mind, and soul, the king of kings and lord of lords, the one who was whipped, beaten, and died in your place, how come he can't get that much attention and focus? How come he can't get five minutes of your time through the week 
And he even complained about the one time on the weekend if it goes too long. If we can be that dedicated to something that changes so frequently with players coming and going, we can be that dedicated to something or somebody that wins today and loses tomorrow. We can be that dedicated to something that so frequently disappoints us and doesn't meet our expectations, then why can we not be dedicated to the one who never changes and is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Why can't we be that dedicated to the one who never loses and has actually conquered all hell, death, and the grave and has staked victory over sin and demonic influence with an empty tomb? Why can't we be dedicated to the one who never disappoints because his promise is to never leave you or forsake you and to stick closer than a brother? And his promises are true when you surrender your heart and life to him. He is worthy of your authentic praise. That would be all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. All of who you are. God doesn't need fans. God doesn't want fans. God is looking for followers. Are you a follower? Let's stop living for a feeling, and let's start living by faith. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. And I want to know before we go any further right now, I know the Lord's speaking, the Lord's moving, and I'm going to put my hand up first in this. I want to know if there's anybody out there willing to make a stand today that said, Brad, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and not a fan. Would you raise your hand? Maybe you say, Brad, I need you to pray for me that God would give me the strength right now to be a follower and not a fan of him. Are you here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life? And maybe that's the first step to being a follower that you need to make right now today. God's speaking is moving in your heart. And just like he's doing to these Israelites right here in this passage in Ezra, he's calling you home today. He's calling you back. He wants to rebuild and do something in your life that the enemy and sin has taken from you. And he wants to restore you and renew you and set you back up on your feet and give you life. Why would you turn away from that another day? Surrender completely and wholly your life to Jesus right now in this place. If that's you, I'm going to lead you through a prayer from your heart to God's heart, but I want to be extremely clear like I do so often, if not almost every Sunday up here. It's not a prayer that saves you. There's nothing magic about this prayer. It's not. The difference is in your heart. It's Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, but if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. There's the difference. Because if your heart's right, then yes, Romans 10, 13, you can call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Will you do that today? With your heart ready to be surrendered completely and wholly to God and repent. That means to turn away from your sin and turn toward a holy God and let him do the work of cleaning your life up. You don't have to get your life right first. Just come to the Father and he does all the work. Right now, surrender to him. If that's you, I want to 
lead you through that prayer for receiving Christ as Lord of your life. Or if you're here and you say, Brad, man, earlier in my life I'd received the Lord and I know I, I was living for him and I know the Lord was working in my life and there was a time when I was on fire for him, but, but lately, man, I've drifted, I've swayed and that fire has burned dim and has gone out and today I wanna rededicate my life. I wanna come back to the Father today, holy, renewed and restored and get on fire for him like the prodigal son coming back, running back to the cross. If that's you, I want you to pray the same prayer from your heart to God's heart and do business with him. Receive him for the first time or to rededicate your life to him. Just say, dear God, I need you. I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you, my savior. To this point in my life, I've been living for myself from the things of this world and it has separated me from you. But today, Lord, I wanna make a change. And that change is only going to happen through you. I'm surrendering my life to you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross that I could have forgiveness of my sin. And as I repent right now, I'm more than just sorry. I want to repent and turn away from my sin and turn towards you. I thank you for, for meeting me where I'm at, but not leaving me where I'm at. Because I want to. And thank you for sending him not only the raised three days later from the grave proving that he is God in all victory over hell death and the grave and Lord I claim that victory right now in my life I need it and my commitment to you is from this day forward the rest of my life I live for your glory and for your purpose thank you for saving me thank you for redeeming me Amen. If you prayed that prayer right now, you meant business with God. They were more than just words to you. You're ready to surrender your heart wholly and completely to God. And you did it for the first time or you did it to rededicate your life. Would you just boldly and unashamed right now, just raise your hand and say, Brad, I prayed that prayer. I meant business with God. Amen. There's hard hands up everywhere. If I don't see you, God does. Amen. Amen. God's at work. Amen. Church, can we give the Lord all the praise he is due? everything that he's doing and continues to do thank you jesus for your faithfulness church i love today i love his word i hope you do because it speaks it moves and it does what only god can do let's surrender to it let's walk in it have authentic praise this week let's take this word let's go meditate on it maybe hop in a small group this week about it look forward to the message next week read chapter four right do what you got to do, man. Let's, let's enter into this authentic praise and expect God to do what only he can do. We love you. Make an impact for Jesus. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work, and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, Please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ. Christ.